The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome back to another episode of Trading Secrets. I have no idea what that was. Clearly, you can tell I've had too much coffee on this Monday morning, but here we are. We got Corporate Natalie, and Corporate Natalie is hilarious. Think about all the kerfunkles with Zoom and all the unbelievable stuff you've seen. She's literally turned the laughter of our Zoom virtual world into unbelievable content. She's here to talk about how she works a full-time and manages the influencer life. And there's a lot of tips and tricks you can use for your day-to-day job or your side hustle. So you'll love this episode. But just remember, right now, my book is on pre-order, The Restart Roadmap. You can go to Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, Target, anywhere you think you can find a book, it's going to be there. Type in The Restart Roadmap, get your pre-order. And when you do, our March Madness tournament has officially kicked off. We have over $4,000 in prizes. So literally all you got to do is send your receipt to the restart roadmap at jasontardic.com. Yes, I've done a lot of different giveaways. So you are still eligible for this. You'll get one free entry to our March Madness bracket where you can win $4,000 in prizes. And on top of that, you're going to get one month free to our all access networking group that you can cancel at any time. So get your receipt, send it over to the restart roadmap at jasontardic.com. Let's go. Happy Monday. Let's ring in the bell with corporate Natalie. Today, we are joined by a social media. I'm going to say, I was thinking, you know, as I'm writing this, what is the word I'm going to end with that? Is it going to be the star? Is it going to be the icon? I'm going to say comic, corporate comic who rose to stardom after posting hilarious, especially 10 years in corporate banking, so relatable videos depicting corporate life for what it really is. Her day-to-day is self-described as a corporate America by day, aspiring TikTok star by night. She has nearly 300,000 followers on both TikTok and Instagram. And this is really impressive. 10 million likes on TikTok. Corporate Natalie, this is just the beginning. You are killing it. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me. This is so exciting. I mean, I went from watching you on Bachelor to now. So this, I mean, I feel like I've really made it. So this is... <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Now, are you a Bachelor fan? Um, I could be more of a fan. I'm not like freaking out right now. Like I'm sure some of my friends <laughs> would be like actually freaking out, but uh, it's pretty, it's pretty surreal. <laughs> that is, that is so cool. You know, I, I remember my mom would watch uh, a Bachelor so much. Like when I was a kid, like, oh, we live way back in Buffalo and she was obsessed with Trista and Ryan. And the first time I got to meet Trista at like one of these events or whatever, I FaceTimed my mom. My mom started freaking out. She's like, oh, it's Trista. Just die. So uh, my mom's a big fan. She's not thrilled that I that I went into her world, which she calls the bachelor. But anyway, enough of that. I want to get off right from the get go here and talk to you about the fact that you were. I was blown away by this. I was doing research, and I love your material, by the way. But you were featured in Ease TikTok Stars to Follow in 2021. Their list, their TikTok to uh, TikTok Stars to Follow 2021 list. So. Before I go into your corporate life and where you are and how you got here today, when you heard that, what was your initial response? And if you back up or had to attribute a few things to how you got to that point, how would you attribute to getting on E's TikTok stars to follow 2021 list? Yes. So that was that was pretty crazy. I think either Charlie or Addison was on that list as well, which was yeah. insane. But I think the the one thing you asked for three, but the one thing it truly is, is that I found a niche on TikTok that was unexplored 
and completely exploited it and just kind of actually probably owned it at this point of work from home corporate comedy, which only could arise during the pandemic of we're all working from home. There are these weird nuances of being on Zoom and seeing your coworker naked or whatever, like just (laughs) never experienced before that I just, you know, kind of jumped on and brought a little bit of, you know, relief to people, I think during a, a weird time of not being with their coworkers, being alone. And so it's crazy to me when like, I'm just making jokes. I'm just trying to get a laugh here and there. And people are like, you changed my life. Like I'm so, <laughs> it was such a dark time. I'm like, oh my gosh, wow. Thank you. That, that means a lot. But I think it's just really with anything on TikTok now, it's finding a niche and being able to jump on it is absolutely crucial. Cause then you, you become your own brand and your own thing. And then brands come to you for a very specific reason. Yeah. And so once, once you found your niche, which obviously you did from there, how did things change on in TikTok and from your like business uh, venture on the side of TikTok? And where I'm going with this is like, when did you realize, yeah, this is funny, it's relatable, but there's a huge business here too. Um, So I think I realized it when brands started approaching me and not like, you know, this is bang energy post 17,000 TikToks and we'll give you $150. (laughs) It was like actual businesses that I've, that I utilize in my day-to-day life, like B2B reaching out to me to promote their products and them saying, you know, we've never broken into TikTok. We've never done this. This is, this is new for us. And me kind of taking advantage of that and being able to exploit that and being like, well, perfect. I'm the perfect person for you. Here's my rate that I absolutely have still have no idea what what I'm charging, why I'm charging it. Like I'm fully self-represented. And, and so like, I just use my own business wherewithal to kind of milk these things. But when was it? It was probably February of this year that I was able to really see that that change and people want to use me for advertising purposes. That's awesome. So you found a way to monetize it and you're doing it with brands that like you respect and and obviously are excited to endorse. I want to go back before that. What was like your first idea for your TikTok? Because one thing that is so funny about your TikToks is it's what everyone's thinking. Like when I've watched, you know, 10 of them, 10, 20 plus at this point, and I'm dying because it's everything we think. But for some reason, no one talks about it. Like the stupid jargon that we would say in corporate America, it's almost like a different language. Yes. I remember at the time, you know, ex-girlfriend, but I was dating and she was a teacher and she overheard one of our conference calls. She's like, what the fuck are you guys saying? Like, this isn't even English. So what was like the, (laughs) the first time that you had this realization? Like, is everybody seeing what I'm seeing? And what was your first video that took off? Yes. I don't know if it was a realization more of just... I think the funniest type of humor is like mundane things that just, and I think that's exactly what I do of just, we experienced all and no one questions why it's, why we're doing it, why we're saying these things, why we're overusing terminology. Um, But I think when I took off was, I don't know if you're a TikTok user, but girls do the, a day in my life. And, you know, I pour my matcha coffee. I go for a 17 mile run. I do this, this, and this. And I did a day in my life of work from home, corporate America. I roll out of bed one minute minute before my meeting. I make my bed to make it seem like I'm ready to go. I'm like, I'm undressed from the waist down. I'm starving, like, and just flip the trend (laughs) on its head. So I, I think that that was when it first took off. That one went viral, you could say. Um, but yeah, it's just, I mean, because I still have a full-time corporate job, the the content, Uh I don't think will ever, um, dissipate if I continue to work full-time and be on these Zooms all day long. You will have the inside scoop, but that, that's something we got to talk about too, because when I got 
right off the bachelor, bachelorette, I went back to like, I'm not kidding. I got off. It was Mother's Day. I went to go see my mom. And then boom, I was working the next week. And so I had so many challenges in that year and a half balancing this social side with my work side, like the suit and tie. You have to speak that language. You have to talk the talk. You got to do what you're doing, but you're also trying to be relatable and exposing certain things about your personal life on social media. And for me, inevitably, there was going to be a day where those two worlds collided and it happened. But for you, have while that works for you because you get so much content, how are you managing like kind of like mocking some of the people that you work with? Uh, how are you managing exposing all this? Are you getting any pushback? Are there rules and regulations for you? Tell me about the world of managing your personal life on social media and then your fun corporate Natalie side. Definitely. So I think like I said, my full-time job informs my content. So I would feel a little bit not genuine if I did not have a job and was being corporate Natalie. That just seems like I have to have that side. But also I listened to your <laughs> podcast when you talked about you had your one year of like double dipping, you called it or something where you're doing mm-hmm. both and it was so mm-hmm. stressful. And I totally agree. I'm not in finance where I'm, you know, 12 hours a day working. I'm I feel like I have a flexible job, which is awesome. I have a supportive team. Thank, thank goodness. But I, I'm able to do both. And I'm for sure... I think I'm I'm working probably too much now. I work weekends and do all that. And I see the potential of like, what if I did this full time? Because there's so much potential. But then also like benefits and things that I am, you know, I haven't mm-hmm. explored on my own that I am a little bit afraid to take that jump. So I, I'm just trying to balance both right now. And like I said, I don't have a manager. I'm not represented because I'm... I don't know. I just think that I can do it all. And I think at one point it will come crashing down. Either my mental health will completely crumble or <laughs> my job will be like, you haven't logged on in seven days. Where are you? <laughs> so we'll see. Are you alive, Corporate Natalie? Yeah, How where corporate are you, you Corporate Where are you? Yeah. <laughs> one thing I'll tell you if you are, when you do start to think about leaving, and if you ever do, is I would just like monetize exactly what benefits are. Because you hear so many people talk about that. Oh, the benefits, the benefits. If you actually put dollars and cents together with your benefits, it's always interesting to see how it pans out. I thought health insurance was going to be this like astronomical number. There's no way I could touch it. And, And while obviously there's a price tag, it's not anything to what I expected it to be. So there's so many interesting things that happen uh, when you actually do explore that. Do you have an idea of either from a follower count or like an income perspective or a brand deal or like anything in your head where you would say to yourself, I now have to leave my corporate job like because this has become so big of a business? I I don't have a number assigned because I'm very just the limit does not exist. Like I am so happy to have a salary and have this side hustle that I do. Like I'm very driven by that and that really excites me. Um, But I think if there were a point where I think right now I have like one pillar creating humorous content about corporate America. If I Mm -hmm. built a few more pillars of my brand of either like dipping into different comedy or doing consulting with brands, because I see kind of the side of that or doing something else, I would feel more confident in taking the leap. I don't, I don't think I can ride this bit for (laughs) forever, (laughs) but (laughs) hopefully my following will, will come with me as I kind of start to experiment with new things and do other things B2B too. So I love that. You'd be surprised though. You'd be surprised, especially at the trajectory you're working with. Um, (laughs) That's one thing I want to talk about. Not often 
do you see someone that has a pretty equivalent TikTok and Instagram following, right? Like I could think of many people that have millions and millions and millions on TikTok because they hit the timing of the explosion when it happened, but they can't convert any of them to Instagram. You've kind of done that. You have 300, 300. You don't see an equal weight like that often. What are you doing to keep that moving at the same speed? And are you just posting the same content from TikTok to IG and IG to TikTok? Yes. I have like a very, very specific hypothesis for this. I believe okay. that my Instagram followers are older millennials who either refuse to download TikTok, don't want to download TikTok or are not on TikTok. And so I think it's a completely different audience. The people who see my mm -hmm. reels are seeing them for the first time, even though it's the exact same thing that I'm reposting from TikTok. And totally. I think my TikTok audience is a little more Gen Z, a little younger. I'm 24 and my main audience on Instagram is 25 to 35. So I'm like, okay. oh, they're, yeah. so I think the Instagram audience is different, but um, I don't know how I just, I literally remember like in October of last year being like, oh, maybe I should grab this handle on Instagram too. No one has it. Maybe I should do that. I'm sure no one will follow, but I'll just try. And then it's uh, just completely taken off. So it's, it's crazy. And so this has been in 10 months now at this point, right? So you're saying like February or what it was. Mm -hmm. So less than 10 months, this all happened. Yes. And do you have like, do you have a team? Do you have a people? Do you have a publicist? You already said you don't have a manager, but like who has helped you? Like the Ease Top 2021 20, list. Did, did you use any type of contact or resource to get on that? Or was this just, you're putting out good stuff and it was seen by the right person. No, it's crazy. And that's a side of like being represented that I think I should probably explore. But I no, I I literally just got on the list and someone, my friend Rod, I don't know if you know just me dot rod, who um he sent it to me. He was also on the list and was like, Oh my gosh, we're on, we're featured on this. I was like, No way. So I was literally <laughs> informed that I was. Um, but no, I think it's it, it's yeah. I've, I had another thought and it completely left. So forgot. Yeah, that. that's okay though. <laughs> but that is so wild because a lot of, and the reason I ask is because there's so many lists like this, like a lot of lists. Yes. Like, oh, here are yes. lists. And you could backdoor pay your way onto a lot of these lists. Totally. So to be on there, like just without, just putting out good stuff, I think is so damn cool. And it's like, there, you know what? It, it just tells anybody you could come up with an idea, curate it, put it out there. And all of a sudden you could be on a list with, you know, Addison Ray and, and the, the names go on. The one thing I was going to say is what I think is interesting when I'm doing brand deals or when I'm featured on this list, the person writing this list, the people I'm working with at the ad agency, like they all work in corporate America. They all work a job that I'm exploiting yeah. and like understand that humor. So they have this like respect for me of like, you understand my life. And I think they think I'm <laughs> way cooler than I am because I'm literally talking to people who understand the humor directly. So yeah, interesting. <laughs> I love that. So with the brand deals though, you had are, and you just brought it up again, but then you had mentioned that you, you're like, I had to figure this out on my own. I had to use my business experience to figure this out on my own. I often ask this to most bachelor people that come off and the answers are pretty much A to Z with how they determine their rates and what they think they should be paid. At this point, for someone who just did it themselves, how do you determine what you think you should be paid from a brand? Um, this is just, this is, it's still, it's still a constant guessing game, but I am floored every day when I keep going back with different rates. I'll just raise my rates just literally weekly. I'm like, Oh, I got, you know, a couple <laughs> thousand followers. Let's try Let's try, let's bump it up a few thousand, you know? And so I'll just keep, keep increasing and people will keep agreeing. And I think there's a different, so like I, again, I'm working on the back end of the deals. So like I'm, so I'll get contacted directly by either an ad agency or the brand itself. 
when it's the brand itself and they don't have an ad agency, I think they have a little less wherewithal of like the pricing because they're just mm-hmm. like they're working in house and there's a little more. So then there, there's a ability, there's a little more wiggle room there. Ad, ad agencies are like, no, this is your conversion. This is what you are. I'm like, okay. But uh, I also have just incredible PowerPoint skills. So my media kit is amazing, immaculate. Do you make your media kit? Oh, of course. Of course. Yeah, I do it all. I do it all. <laughs> And so I know. So I send them the media kit and they're like, this is an awesome media. And it's just all about this, the journey of working with me and my followers and whatever. And then, yeah. So I think I'm still, still in shock at the ability to work with brand. And when it's like a startup, I'm like, oh, are they pre-IPO post? Like, where are they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How much money do they have for their marketing? You know, and I, I just kind of work through that. Yeah, it's brilliant. And so there's, there's, I mean, really interesting things here that we are dealing with every day too, with the pre IPO stuff, you can actually get equity in some of those deals, which is pretty cool. Um, And then I actually am going to, I'm going to challenge you a little bit here because when you work with an agency, they definitely have the quantitative numbers that are going to help them better justify the actual price point. But what I've also learned when you work with an agency is that money has to be made for this agency. And so while there might be fees, there's also dollars that could be going to that campaign that are going to the agencies. So the fee actually might be less with those agencies. And if you're working directly with the brand, especially if you have the skill set you do of pitching them, the numbers and, the, and everything else, you're, you could actually get I've noticed I get larger deals working directly with a brand. Definitely. So it's just a, a different take that I, through my experience, at least I've had. Well, and that was that might that might be what my my secret is at the end here, but I don't want to give anyone fifteen to thirty percent of my deal. You know, if I'm totally. doing all the work here, why am I gonna like I met with a manager and they're like, I can help you with your cameo strategy. I'm like, what do you mean my cameo strategy? People order videos from me. I take the video, I send it to them. There is no cameo. There's strategy. no cameo strategy. <laughs> People like, like, I'm not. So you're not getting a percentage no. of cameo. Absolutely not. You In know? fact, cameos. We had the CEO of Cameo on, the founder, brilliant. Yes. And that episode will come out here soon. But what's what's genius for him and what they have done is that obviously you will get direct bookings, but then they keep promoting you to go promote your cameo. And I'm like, wait, wait a second. If I promote cameo the brand on an Instagram story, I'm literally charging like a hundred bucks for it is whatever it is for a cameo where brand might pay a lot lot more than that. And I'm like, you guys are genius though. Cause for a second, I almost did it. And I have seen so many people do whatever. I'm like, why are you promoting this much for the one cameo? Be like, go get my camera. And then I look and they're charging like 50 bucks and 75% of that only goes to them. I'm like, what's going on here? I know it's crazy. So what do you actually do for work? Like what type of work are you in? My type, I work in tech. Um, Previously, straight out of college, I was in consulting. Um, So did the kind of grind of I was traveling all over the country. I was doing all that. And now I'm in tech, which I think is just a great place to be. It's more lenient. I think there's more respect for like building your personal brand that I don't think you can like finance or consulting. Like I'm sure if I was at my consulting job, it would have been shown the door. (laughs) But uh, so I think it's, yeah, it's interesting. And but, where did you go to school? I went to Notre Dame, University of Notre Dame. Gotcha. I had a um, feeling it was going to be one of those top schools. Corporate Natalie's <laughs> got a lot of brain activity going on up there <laughs> in a good way. <laughs> that makes sense. Okay. I see that. I see that and it makes sense. All right. 
I, you know what, I'm coming up with a potential career for you. Given the fact you can pitch and you know the work and you know the deal structure, before I say this, what within the tech company, are you in like marketing, business development? Are you in the engineering side, the accounting side? What like competency is your forte? I'm in a very niche <laughs> side so of you, business. I do resilience. I like prepare previously in consulting, I was preparing companies for like disasters like COVID yeah. or big things, cyber attacks. So I do that in-house now for a tech company of preparing our internal kind of company to withstand any sort of disaster or business disruption. So very niche. Um, but I feel like marketing and brand is more my calling given that I'm marketing and branding myself. But yeah. Got it. Is the resilience more of like internal if the switch falls off, we figure out how to get the switch back on? Or is it more if the switch goes off, we will be able to minimize disruption in the marketplace? Which side of that are you on? Both. There's like the external, okay. you know, okay. reputational disruption that can occur, but then also just internally of our, can we get our systems back online? Is this okay. ransomware attack affecting us? Stuff like that. This got is so it, boring. I'm it. like, oh my God. <laughs> it's not. I'm, I'm fascinated. I think it's interesting. I think that the world that you could be diving into is like a potential agent down the road. You can get your benefits, you could get everything you need and you could do these deals left and right. You could be calling up Addison right for a $15 million deal. You're so and right. you can make that 20% on it. You're so right. I think so. Yeah. There's that All side. Right, if I hear yeah. of any openings, I'll keep you posted on that. I'll keep my <laughs> ear to the ground. Um, but it sounds like you're doing just fine anyway. But I'm negotiating with yourself and I, I love the, the, the language you used of, uh, it, my rates are increasing on a weekly basis and you change things based on how you're doing. So what is the, and you don't have to tell me the brand. And even if you don't want to tell me the amount, you can just say skip, but what is probably, I'm just so fascinated with this has been nine months and every week you said your rates are going up. What's like the lowest amount you've considered a deal for? And what's the highest amount you've tried to pitch a deal for? The lowest, I'll just say what my lowest when I first started and had no concept, I mm -hmm. did the deal with Twisted Tea and I was like, I'm getting $500. This is insane. <laughs> like, I'm getting, I'm treating all my friends to see. No. So that was like yeah. when I first, that was my first deal I ever did. And I was Got pumped it. about it. I'm sure they have rights to that video in perpetuity. I was reading my own contract. Like, I have no idea what I signed for there. But uh, now it's way, obviously, way bigger. But I, I don't know if I want to say. <laughs> you want me to guess and I could say over under? You want to guess? Sure. The highest that you've ever pitched? Sure. For like, I'm going to guess. Is this like for, a collection, like a package? Or are we talking mm, one? Let's say we'll do like a packet. We'll do like one one Instagram, one TikTok. Because we already talked about that. I'll, and you could just say over under. Okay. One Instagram, the highest you've Like, mm, I'm going to go with 28 grand. Higher. Oh, higher, aggressive high with the big <laughs> finger point. I like it. Right. Corporate Natalie is hustling out here. You're going to be an agent. I'm calling it right now. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to be an agent. I can't wait. It's going to be oh, amazing. So and I'm going to say, I said it right here, right now. Said it here first. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right. And then just like you're obviously this has been relatively new to you, but so like, what was your perspective of potentially being an influencer uh, a year ago versus potentially having a huge opportunity to be even a bigger, bigger, bigger influencer today? Like how has your thought process changed being in it uh, versus seeing it? And what's the most eye opening thing that you've uh, had to experience? Um, I think I never set out when I made my first TikTok, like I am going to be famous. I'm going to be an influencer. Mm -hmm. I don't, I think I do truly, maybe an agent is the calling, but I do truly belong kind of more behind the scenes. I don't like 
getting ready every day and making content. I don't yeah. like having people commenting on my appearance or telling me I'm not funny or I'm funny. Like, I don't really care that much. <laughs> and like, I find it so crazy when like, you know, I post a video and they're like that light fixture way, way back there. Where, where's that from? I'm like, you care? <laughs> How do you even see that? Like, why do you care? Yeah. <laughs> and just the little, the smallest thing. So I don't even know if I'm built for this world, but it's just been crazy seeing, I think just seeing the money that's in this side of like, I just, my whole life, I've been, go to a good school, get a good corporate job, buy a house, you know, just very traditional path. And now I'm like, sure. there's so much opportunity here that just like as a businesswoman at heart, like, why would I not exploit it? You know? Right. And how long do you think it'll take for schools like Notre Dame and the alike to be like, this business industry is so massive, it needs to be a larger focus and maybe even a major? That's an interesting question. I don't know. Notre Dame is pretty traditional, but I'm sure some, yeah. another school will come up with that. I think there is maybe too strong of a push for like Gen Z to quit everything and pursue your dream. And there's less, less, you know, risk aversion. Like they, yeah. there's no thought. It's like, Oh, I want to, you know, pursue my passion. I'm totally do it. Pursue your passion. I just yeah. think probably you and I like coming from corporate world and coming from sure. that of like, there needs to be a plan. There needs to be right. numbers and metrics and an understanding for where you want to be, where you are now. And being your own boss is hard too. And a lot of discipline. So I think like teaching a high, like high schoolers and college kids to do that is a little bit an interesting line. Yeah. And being, I think being your own boss, as you said, there's more to it. I think it's like four or five times harder than working for someone. Cause you could check in, you could check out and you can go home. And if you do your job, great. And if you don't do your job, great. And there, the risk is it's, it is what it is. If it's your, if you're running the show, the show never ends. And the second you stop performing, that show begins to reflect that. And the show has got to be revamped and changed and modified. And, uh, it's a whole different ball game. So that's for sure for your ball game though. Like, do you think at some point, like now you have this big foundation, you're seeing some of these big rate deals, uh, come in 40, 45 K plus. Do you ever think about reinvesting back into this business as someone who went to school for business and is living it and breathing it every day, like you're starting to see massive cash flow come in. Obviously, you know, the profitability behind it for you, it's probably likely a hundred percent profitability because you're not paying a manager and you're doing it all yourself. Do you have a plan or at least thinking about like, should I get a publicist? Should I do like big collaborations with other people? Should I maybe start a podcast or get on someone else's podcast on a daily or weekly basis? Like any, I'm, I'm just curious what your scale process is from someone who's, you know, in the art of consulting and working with businesses to scale, grow and protect every day. It's wow. Well said. It's a constant trade-off because I think the more that I do, the more I'm obviously pulled, like pulled away from my full-time job. So I think, right. you know, even me getting on Twitter, I'm not on Twitter yet because I just don't, I just don't have time to manage another social media platform. So even something as small as downloading Twitter is like a huge decision. And I think reinvest, reinvesting myself for sure. Once I make the leap, yes, I will do everything and anything to make this like a full-time successful thing. But right now. And it, it's so low cost. I set up my phone, I film myself, tell a couple of jokes, <laughs> but edit it, post it, you know, like there's no follow me. And like, I posted a video of me running away from a camera in slow motion as a joke of like, returning back to the office. And people literally commented, I didn't know you had legs. Like I, it's only this, <laughs> like I never, I don't move. 
I don't do any, you know? And so it's yeah. just, it's so, it's so low cost that I don't know. Publicist is a great point. Maybe that route, the, the taxes are going to be tough. That's a whole nother conversation. Yeah, the, the accountants, the accountants working, but yeah. Yeah. You'll have to get that puppy going. Um, so that actually reminds me, uh, I just met a blogger and it's the exact opposite of what you're saying, but she takes on average, I know I'm already giving it away with my, with my tone, but let me ask you this for her to post a photo and she posts at least one or two a day on her infeed. How many pictures do you think she takes until she gets the one picture she likes? Give me a guess. Oh, like I have no idea. Girls are, this is, I have no con. I mean, take a shot. 50. 3000. She takes 3000 pictures, pictures on average to get the one she likes. And she posts once or twice a day. And in her, in her, of what uh, holding her, like, like sugar bear hair or like, oh uh, no, I, <laughs> no, no, like model pictures and stuff, like all 3,000. So then in her, in her uh, camera like roles, she has over 120,000 photos saved. It's the crazy, I'm like, I'm like, what? And you got to say, I mean, you're doing it like you said. I just pull it up and put it, put it together. Let me ask you this though. Because I think money is the biggest thing to me that I've seen in this whole industry. The second thing is, it goes, I'm going to support the blogger for a second, not to that extent, but the time it actually does take to create content. And you did mention it earlier by saying, you know, you have to get done. I think some things people don't think about is like pre-production work, the lighting, even if you are working it yourself, like is the timing right? Is the lighting, is all this stuff together? Do you find that it does actually take a decent amount of time to get something out the door? Or do you feel like, no, it's, it's, I just get it on and get it out. Absolutely. No, I think I had such little respect for this industry in this world. I was like, I have my corporate job. I have a real job and seeing how hard it is to be in this and do this and do the, the scripting, agree on the script, agree on the see all this stuff. And just then the invoicing, the analytics, just ev- everything that comes from the beginning to end of doing this. And I'm only doing one small part of it on Instagram and TikTok. It's my, one of my best friends, Victoria Garrick. She actually, she has a Dear Media podcast. Um, oh, cool. She's been in this world her whole life. And I've been best friends with her since high school. And she's like, you know, I never, I told her, like I said, I, I'm sorry that I haven't, you know, sh- like respected your career up until this point, <laughs> like straight up. I'd just be like, oh, Vic's got to post some photos, whatever. Oh, no, no, no. First of all, Natalie, the money behind it, please. You have no idea. Second of all, like <laughs> it's so much work. It's crazy. It's a lot so, of yes, work. I do think there will be a time when it'll be too much, but yeah. There you go. We'll keep doing what you're doing. Before we let you go, Natalie, it's been awesome to hear your story, everything from Notre Dame to now, obviously managing the tech job, but also, you know, crushing the whole TikTok, Instagram influencing space. It's a wild, wild uh, I would say like just a process of going from like a Notre Dame to this world. That's pretty cool. And to see the business side behind it is massive. I see agency in your future. I called it here. I called it now. But before we let you go, I need a trading secret from you. So something that someone couldn't find in a textbook, couldn't learn in a classroom or Google online, something that is unique to your story, either financially or uh, professionally, one that we can't find anyway. So corporate Natalie, what do you got for your trading secret today? I've heard you talk about on this podcast, obviously did my research, just you, you ask people, should you go to college? Should you, that's a decision. Should you like learn these things? I think having business wherewithal gives me such an edge in the social media influencer world of being able to speak 
fluently, coherently with brands, understand my rates, why I charge them, like have and have the backing and the kind of being able to speak to it persuasively is really mm-hmm. important. So it, you don't have to learn that in college, but just like be a lifelong learner and build your own brand and your business intelligence and even emotional intelligence to be able to survive in this world, I think is really important. Absolutely. And I think if I if I piggybacked anything on top of that, <laughs> had to drop that little corporate jumbo, uh, I think exactly what you said about the business degree too. And tell me if you agree with this. It's about finding like a degree that, that is going to serve like utility to you. And like you think about no matter what you do with this corporate Natalie gig or not, everything you probably have learned in your business world and at university has helped you like with the foundation that you're using and all the other things you do, right? Definitely. Definitely. Totally agree. Good stuff. All right. Well, Corporate Natalie, where can everyone find you and everything you have going on on Instagram, TikTok? What's your handle? It is quite simple. On both Instagram and TikTok, it is at Corporate Natalie. Feel free to follow. Feel free to block if you don't like the content. You're triggering. (laughs) Whatever you want, really. (laughs) Blog, follow, share, do what you got to do. I love it. (laughs) To me, I always, I usually, if I'm watching one of your stuff, I'll probably like write, like write one of those words down and I'll listen at my next team meeting and be like, if anyone says that, I'm going to call about. (laughs) Absolutely. That's perfect. (laughs) Break the whole corporate culture, uh, the the lingo, break it. Make people talk like humans, corporate Natalie. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on Trading Secrets, telling your story. very insightful and motivational. We appreciate it. Thank you. Ding, ding, ding. We are closing in the bell to the Corporate Natalie podcast. Huge fan of Corporate Natalie, everything she's doing and everything she has done. I think it is so cool that she found her niche, found her opportunity. And again, it's another example. You know, we always get feedback or comments like, stop getting people from reality shows or stop getting someone that had television exposure. I want to see how I could do it. This is someone who was working a nine to five and just found a little niche, like she said, and has created quite the business. I mean, you did hear her talk. One of her largest deals that she negotiated over 40K mark. These are real dollars from 500 to 40K in just a year. David is with me, the curious Canadian, the one, the only. I have two announcements before I kick it to you, David, because I know you're at the edge of your seat ready to go. Announcement number one. Please give us feedback in the comments, five stars, and tell us what type of podcast or guests you want. We are reading them. I just read some this morning and we're implementing them. Announcement two. We have a March Madness tournament that is live right now. March Madness, the NCAA bracket, begins this week. Here's how you can join our March Madness pool. David and I are both in it. Some friends from Bachelor Nation are in it, and other friends from other areas are in it. We have over $4,000 in prizes. Go to Amazon and buy a pre-order hardcover copy of my book. Then just email that receipt to the restart roadmap at jasontardic.com, subject line March Madness, and we will give you the steps to get you your free entry and one free month of our all access networking group. Those announcements are done. Curious Canadians ready to go. What do you got for me? I got a PSA to start, and yeah, uh, you just mentioned it. You just mentioned it. We go through the reviews and we see what people are saying, and people want numbers. And, you know, we, we, started this podcast really back to our first couple episode roots on talking a lot of numbers. So I'm going to throw a little PSA out there. If you're a future guest on Trading Secrets, 
let's come back with the numbers. Let's come back with the heat. And uh, I just got to say, you teed up corporate Natalie for a couple really hard hitting numbers to give us like some insight. And, you know, she said the $500 to Twisted Tea, but she was very kind of wishy-washy on some of the numbers things. Um, one of the times she's like, I don't know if I should say it. I was screaming like, say it, say it. <laughs> so- uh, just, just to make sense on a lot of the stories. And, you know, a double dipper like yourself, like you were in the corporate world and the kind of influencer space world. I was just wanting a little more numbers out of her, but she's a smart girl. She's created a niche, but I was just left. Le- I wanted some numbers. All right. I think that's fair feedback. Here's the thing. What I would say is even if I think what I'm going to start doing is I am going to start having a pre-production team talk to the people that we interview before we interview them to understand exactly what numbers they will share. And if they won't share certain numbers, then they won't be a fit for the podcast. That being said, corporate Natalie, I'm a big fan of. And even based on what she told us, I still, even through that process, would have her on because I think she's awesome. And I think the numbers she did share were fair, but I think it's good feedback. That's why you're the voice of the viewer. That's why they're curious Canadian. What we're going to do right now is every guest moving forward, if we haven't recorded yet, because there's some that are coming that we already recorded, we will have pre-production screening process where we have an understanding of what numbers they will share. And if the numbers don't meet the expectation of the voice of the viewer, we won't interview them. Love it. That's called progress. And look, progress. I just am say, I'm, I'm just saying you mean progress, buddy. Progress. Progress. All right. Tomato, tomato. Let's progress this um, combo. What else you got? <laughs> but I just, I just saying the numbers, A, they're, they're entertaining. Let's call a spade a spade. They're entertaining. Sure. But I think they're also like educating, like the fact that she was double dipping and you asked her the question, what is the number that you would need to have to leave the corporate job? I want to know that. Like, I think that that's educational for anyone else who might have a side hustle who's listening to the podcast. I just, you know, back to breaking the stigma of talking about money and and she should at the end of the day be very proud of what she's doing and the fact that she might be on the fringe of being able to make these decisions. Yes. And before we go to your next question, I do want to address one thing. I saw a lot of me in her when I was in her position. And I think when you talk about like, she should share that stuff, that's still part of the problem, right? Because when I was in her position, double dipping, you still have such huge liability and risk of losing your current job when you're putting everything out to the public. I did lose my job because of it. And she's obviously balancing both sides of the equation here. And and I think that's still part of the issue in corporate America. That is, if you do talk about how much money you're making, mm-hmm. or you do talk about what your exit package would look like, your company will immediately, uh, you know, obviously have issues with that and use that information to their advantage. So I saw a lot of her, a lot of me and her when I was in that double dipping phase. But good takes. We already are making progress. I got some takeaways here for future guests. What else do you think, David? Um you know, she's fascinating and so smart and you can tell she's got a great sense of humor. One thing that really surprised me since she is corporate Natalie and understands the need for professionalism and all that is that she is self-represented. And I know that she says she doesn't want her 15 to 30% going to someone else, but I'm just curious in your experience, how much do you think, if any, that she's cutting herself short? Yes, she might be saving her 15% on her 40,000 deals that she's closing, but do you think she's not maximizing value, opening doors, opening up herself to more brands that maybe an agent or a manager could could get her? I'm just curious on, on your take on that. It's a, it's a really, really good question. Um, so here's what I'm going to say. The one thing she's doing right is she is holding herself to a premium rate 
for her engagement mm-hmm. and her followers. So she is saying, this is my rate, take it or leave it. That's the biggest issue with anybody in this space. They don't maximize what they should be getting. So that's number one. I'll give her credit for that. Uh, number two, I do believe that it's very helpful if you have a division of good guy and bad guy, a good cop and bad cop, a good girl or bad girl. Like you need someone representing you who is going to be a little bit of a bulldog and is going to get their, you know, their, their hands dirty a little bit because it's so critical to have the division of the talent and the representation mm-hmm. so that you're maximizing delivery and holding one another accountable. It's very tough for talent to go into agencies and to go into brands uh, and negotiate for yourself, but also be hard-nosed uh, when there are issues. And that's where really the division uh, of, of those two is really critical. And then probably be able to maintain a relationship with that brand if you're the one negotiating and then having to deliver on the talent and there's a souring along the way, then that's your representation where you can't really put it on your manager or your representative where it's like, hey, they're the ones who talk the numbers. I just delivered the talent. I delivered the talent. Like, so I can see how that can get a little confusing. But, you know, between that and the fact that she does her own media kits, I mean, she really is like doing it the right way in terms of, you know, being an entrepreneur and double dipping and having a side hustle, she's clearly uh, wanting to learn about all aspects of the business, which like you said, she's trending future agent, which, which I see that. Future Ari Gold, corporate Natalie. I do love (laughs) that. She's like kind of going all in. Most people don't do that. And because of that, they're taking advantage of. So the fact she's doing her own media kits, really impressive. What we all do just to give people insight is we outsource our media kits. What's a media kit? A media kit is Mm. pretty much a presentation, a PowerPoint presentation, but very, very sickly, um, slickly done by a graphic designer that'll showcase everything like where, and if you're in the news, what shows you're on your uh what's what's happening with your current business your niche it's pretty much a whole package that sells uh your talent to the agency so usually like i i got a deal i worked an angle and negotiated obviously for my media kit and i think it was still like 200 bucks ish to get done and usually they can go in the range of like 500 plus for someone to build your media kit for you are you taking uh, 3,000 photos to find one photo to put in the media kit? Like the blogger that you <laughs> I'm not going to out that person because I don't have their permission to do so. But no, man, like it's so funny. Like even Caitlin's not like that either, but she'll have to do for her, for her brand. She'll have to do photo shoots for products and she like hates it. We literally, no joke, like Caitlin and I, we will take one photo and with that photo, We'll just post it. Like the other day, Caitlin posted a photo of her and I on a date together where she congratulated me of that book. We had the bartender take one picture. She took that picture and immediately posted it. I love it. Like we don't do that whole game. It's the old adage. And sometimes like when you're writing a speech or something and you're like, oh, what if I mess up? And you're like, you know, you write word for word. Were you going to say? It's like same thing with photos. Nobody knows you took 3000 photos when you pick the one. So just take the one. Yeah. If you, if you take one photo and post it, no one knows that you, pick through three or five or 10 or 3000 just there's definitely those influencers out there that have like perfectly curated pages and mm-hmm. then and unfortunately or unfortunately there's definitely brands that are very attracted to that so mm-hmm. there is something to say like if you have uh, quality content where it's very curated if you go look at my feed it's a fucking train wreck i mean there's tweets there's this there's, there's nothing <laughs> blended about it but i will say like if i do a brand video or a brand something i'll have a professional videographer come and have professional audio because i want advertisers to know i take their deal seriously and i'll invest in if they invest in me so that's a big one but it's interesting yeah i mean people all have different strategies caitlin is the rawest i've never 
I don't think I know anyone in the Instagram game who's more raw than her. And like, I think through things and do, she just literally says it, post it, says it, screws up, doesn't care, post it, has a photo, you know, post it. That's the coolest thing. She, it's unbelievable the speed at which she operates. Doesn't give zero fucks, just throws it out there. <laughs> yeah, that's why people love her though, because exactly. she's raw and they feel like they're a part of it. So, but you educated us a little bit on uh, on um, media kits. One question I had for a de- definition that I didn't really know what you guys meant, but she mentioned whitelisting and you made a comment on, oh, you're already talking about whitelisting. Like this girl's got it. She knows what she's talking about. I have no clue what whitelisting is. So um, that's just a definition that maybe there's some people out there that didn't know as well. If you could educate us a little bit on that. Yes. Really peeling the curtain back here to the whole uh, mm-hmm. influencer space. What whitelisting is, David, have you ever seen when you're scrolling a video or a picture from an influencer you follow and it's like an ad of them selling whatever it is that they're selling, but it's not their actual post, right? It's not like the, what they post, right? So what happens is brands, so they can get more exposure, will slip in whitelisting into a contract. Everyone should be negotiating for how like a, a fee for that because what they're doing is they're using programs and software to get access to those that follow you and they're able to target those people with the promotion that you had already did and done. So I could put up stories for Nike shoes, right? And they're gone in 24 hours. But if Nike can work in whitelisting into my contract, they can go into the people that follow me or that fit the demographic of my follower and specifically target them. So when they're scrolling, Jason with a Nike ad comes up. And as an influencer, you're like, you don't want you don't want overexposure of ads. So if you're going to be doing that, you want to make sure the company's paying for it. So that's whitelisting. And I know you've talked a little bit about um, the difference between monetization between TikTok and Instagram, obviously how much greater it is for you on Instagram and just the platform, I think in general, um, for business businesses to promote on. Have you ever done, and I know corporate Natalie seems like she's a little more, even though her following is kind of the same on TikTok than than Instagram. Have you ever done a, a TikTok exclusive deal? I've done TikTok exclusive deals. Typically, like we just had someone uh, off. I mean, full disclosure, I just had a brand offer me seventy five hundred for one TikTok. We went back, negotiated ten because that's my fee okay. for it, and they walked. So ten k is what I would charge. I've done them before, so because I have less of a following than her, but the engagement is yeah. pretty good. And I oh oh, uh, everyone knows girl with no job, right? Um, mm-hmm. And so Claudia, she's a beauty, host of Morning no, uh, Morning Toast. Her husband, boy with no job, has a big Instagram page with 1.6 million. He's a brilliant, brilliant guy who used to work for a huge digital advertiser and knows the space extremely well. That podcast is coming and we break down exactly why people on Instagram are paid so much more than TikTok and how that could actually ruin the TikTok app if it's not adjusted. And so we'll get into those details. I don't want to ruin that episode, but it's coming. All right. I got three more questions for you. Fire. Uh, One, she was on and you started the podcast with this, that e-list of uh, TikTokers that you must follow in 2021. You made a comment asking if she paid to be on the list or if it was just natural and then said that people do can backdoor pay to be on lists like this. Do you have uh, examples of lists that people could pay to be on. But the more important question, how much would it cost to be on one of these lists? Let's say I started a TikTok and I wanted to pay to be on the e-list of must-watch TikTokers for 2023. How much would it cost me to be on the list? So I'm going to take E E out of this because I don't know specifically with E and I don't know if they do this. But what I'm going to make is a more general comment that I do know. Whenever you do see a list, whenever you see a, 
uh, under 30 or under 40, whenever you see a top 10, top 20, top 30, and it's in a publication, there definitely is subjectivity that will go into this. And I have met with several PR reps that'll say, a lot of these lists, there's ways you could backdoor your way into them. Now you say, how can you backdoor your way into them? Well, you could pay a marketing fee to get in there. I've heard that. Uh, I don't, again, I'm not saying specifically to E, but you can pay a marketing fee. The other thing you could do is if you have relationships with some of these publications, you may be able to, um, you know, take out an ad in their magazine or their print or their, you know, whatever it is. And if you do an ad with them and you give them extra exposure, that might help your likelihood of making uh, like a top something list. So those are some things I've heard of, but also there are a lot of lists out there that are extremely sensitive of this and will never do anything like this. So credibility, knowing the credibility behind the list you're looking at is important. Okay. Okay. But, I like but that. by the way, she didn't use PR. She is on the list with Addison Ray. Congratulations. That is 100%. a huge success from sitting, you know, working in tech nine to five or probably nine to nine knowing tech to then starting something and being named E's top TikTokers to follow and not doing anything to angle into it. Extremely impressive. I love that. And like you said, you worked your way into luck, right? Is it lucky that she's on that list? Maybe. I mean, she's got good content and she puts it out there. So earning those opportunities. Uh, she's my lucky next question, with the timing, right? I think she's lucky. Yeah. Pandemic timing. She's not lucky Niche. with the creativity, the hard work, and the execution. She rifles content out. It's creative. It's smart. It's brilliant. That's hard work and creativity. Timing, you can't control that everyone's at home getting a kick out of all the shit you're talking about because it's so relatable to the existing relevant time, right? That's the luck part. And I just love how she talked about like the lack of overhead to produce. Like she's like, my phone, I take a video, I edit it. It's out there. It's perfect. That's why I love it. So she she mentioned on her trading secret how glad she is. She went to the university in Notre Dame, kind of gave her that confidence and really an educated approach to these business deals and kind of gave her a good foundation. You know, we've talked a lot about the impact on college and, you know, does everyone need to go? You know, what do they need to study? What's the output of it? But my question to you is put on Professor Jason Tardick hat. If you could go back to college and teach a course, what would you teach and what would you call it? Oh, that's a good question. All right. So two answers. The first answer, the Restart Roadmap is all this process of like how to navigate your career and really peeling the curtain back behind the doors they don't want you to see so that you can neg mm -hmm. navigate it appropriately. So that would be one. And then if I'm not doing anything with the book, I think it would be how to monetize um, your digital brand, like your social brand, your digital brand, no matter you have 10 followers or 10 million, how to monetize mm -hmm. it. There's so many KPIs that could... Look at this. KPIs. Ew. I'm like, saying, I'm saying business jargon. What a donkey. Uh, key performance indicators that you can teach someone uh, about the analytics of the digital media and how to monetize from 10 followers to 10 million. That would be a class I would talk about. And I would hope that never would KPIs would come out of my mouth again. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you just made fun of yourself for some business jargon. My last question is, what are like, I'm going to say top three, but what are some, some corporate Natalie, corporate America, corporate Jason Tardic jargons that when you hear them now, you want to vomit. Oh my God. So, okay. Ones I used to say all the time, core competencies. That was a one that was <sighs> like, dude, get rid of it. You loser. Um, another one was like synergies, you know, like, oh God. Uh, I think the one I've said there, like 
Uh, Circle Back is like, Circle oh back. my God. Circle Back um, is like a Hall of Fame. Oh my God, dude. Or like, uh, yeah, Circle Back, Piggyback. Sometimes they'll say, okay, we'll punt this to next meeting. Like, shut the fuck up. Like, <laughs> what are you talking about? Uh, okay, the worst one. Like, the worst one. And I am, I am literally guilty of this and I try so hard not to be but the worst one is low and Caitlin will always chirp me uh, low hanging fruit so oh, those, yeah, are, yeah. those are some of the ones that I'm just like oh do you have any like funny ones from hockey you guys say oh man yeah I mean you've seen like it's just more like the typical interview is more like the hockey jargon like oh, you yeah, know every hockey player sure. gets every hockey player gets interviewed and they're not about the game or something. And they're, yeah, you know, we just want to get pucks deep and the boys are going and we're skating really hard. And, you know, three periods, 60 minute game. We're just, you know, doing what it takes. Let's it's like say a couple of hockey ones. You got Rister, uh, you got Chirp, you got Drop the Mitts, oh. you got uh, Gong Show. Yeah, you got slap, Plug. Yeah, Plug. Plug, uh, Pylon. Butte. Pylon, Beauty, um, Bender. Bender. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's so many. There's it's, so many. We there's a, a show called Letter. There's a show called Letter Kenny out there. I don't know if you've seen oh, it. Oh yeah, Letter course. Kenny is like a hilarious, hilarious show. But we have 14 new kids in our program. They're 14 year olds. Yeah, they talk like that, oh, and they're not gosh. trying to like make fun of it. It's like, oh, already beauty. How you doing, Bonzo? Uh, like it's Bonzo. just ridiculous. <laughs> it's, but they're it. dead serious. I like can't keep a straight face. Go so. have a go have a couple bevies tonight, there, bud. Couple exactly. Like, oh, so <laughs> all right. Anything else to wrap us up here or what? No, it's it's it's. I think what she's doing is great. I think you know I've seen other TikToks too of people like acting out the corporate jargon like. Oh, I'm just going to circle back and they do like a backwards somersault and like <laughs> acting out like corporate jargons. But, you know, it's just what this, what the pod's about finding a niche, having a side hustle, um, representing yourself, leveraging your value for assets. And she's great. She's hilarious. And um, it was a nice, concise, good podcast with good energy and definitely tune into corporate Natalie for a good laugh. Cause I think we've all been in situations that are relatable and that's what makes her content so good. I love it. David, thank you for being here with me. Go give corporate Natalie a follow. Go give David Arduin a follow. Go find him on Instagram <laughs> and join our March Madness pool. All you got to do is order your pre-order pre copy of the Restart Roadmap. Send the receipt to the Restart Roadmap at jasontardic.com. Subject line, March Madness, and we will do the rest of the work to get you in March Madness, and you'll get one free month of our all-access networking group. So thank you for being here, David. Remember to give us five stars. Any feedback in the comments, but give us the five stars. And we will uh, be back next Monday with another episode of Trading Secrets, one you can't afford to miss. <laughs>